Hallelujah. Well, good evening, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us. We are about to kick off tonight's session. We'll quickly post the links on all of our social media channels. We'll be good to go. Hallelujah. We are ready to get started. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I just love that instrumental. <laughs> you wish you could stay with it for a long time. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, good evening, everyone. Welcome to tonight's session. My name is Francis Seabor Jr. I'm a member of the Cable Loom community. And on behalf of Pastor Francis Seabor, I want to say a big welcome and a big thank you to everyone that is here right now and to those who are going to be coming soon. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, we're trusting the Lord for um, um, a significant measure of his spirit to be imparted to us, for understanding, to um, enlighten us. Amen. Um, um, for revelation to enlighten us too, for wisdom to enlighten us. Amen. For the seven spirits of God, all of them to, to, to minister to us in a powerful way tonight. Hallelujah. And uh, I want to say thank you so much for making yourselves available in whatever capacity you can right now, because I do understand that sometimes it's difficult to um, to stay consistent, um, to build in these disciplines of, you know, coming, um, surrendering your time, sacrificing your time, um, sacrificing your attention, um, sacrificing your attention in today. Today's world is a very powerful sacrifice. Amen. And so I want to encourage everyone that's on this to speaking about attention i had instagram open on my phone <laughs> i want to say a big thank you to everyone um that was able to join us hallelujah um let's pray heavenly father we say thank you for everything huh. we say thank you for light we say thank you for understanding we say thank you for the light of the trinity we say thank you for clarity for discernment for distinction in jesus name we come into understanding by your spirit, by your mercy, by your love. Take control, steer our hearts, woo us, Lord God, into deeper places in you. Let us not remain the same. Lord, we know that you are wooing us. You are a merciful God. You're doing everything you can with the limitations of a lasting father. That you have, that's your way, not limitations, but following the protocols everlasting father that she puts in place everlasting that you believe our best you are doing everything possible 
to make sure that we are reached with God. We say thank you for that. Hallelujah. Amen. The reason why I said um, um, this, I almost said limitations is because God does not do things outside of his character. So God will never break his character, his personality um, to do anything. And so within these seeming confines, really truth is that his way is the best way. That's the truth. It just doesn't seem obvious. His way is the best way to achieve his intended goal. Hallelujah. And um, oftentimes you look at the world and you wonder to yourself, why doesn't God just do this in our minds? That seems like the best way. Amen. But I want to encourage us to do what the Bible says, which is trust in the Lord with all of our hearts and lean not on our own understanding and in all of our ways, acknowledge him and let him be the one that directs not just our paths, but everything in creation. Amen. This is a, um, a picture of what we see in Job, where God re, you know, opens up the volume of the books for Job and shows him, hey, you went through some really rough stuff. But here is a snapshot of, of everything in, you, know, you went through in context. And behold the awesomeness of God, basically, as you think that God is unrighteous. Look at everything that God is doing. Do you think the person doing all of these things is unrighteous? And Job just began to weep. He said, I've, I've heard about you before. I've heard about your awesomeness. I've heard about your righteousness, your impurity, your everything. But this is beyond what the, what, what the mouth of man can speak. And he said, I repent of dust and ashes. Amen. And um, hallelujah. Thank you, Heavenly Father, because your ways are beyond. And that's what, we're, that's what we're doing when we're approaching the scriptures, right? That's what we're doing when we're engaging the Holy Spirit. We are, we are saying to ourselves that we have something better. And that thing better for us is found in the scriptures, is found in the word. Amen. I want to encourage you as things on the outside, when I say the outside, out in the world, get darker and darker and, and things get a little bit less comfortable and maybe a little bit more difficult. I want to encourage you to see his way as better. Hallelujah. Amen. Okay, so um, we will be doing a recap of my notes here. So I'm just going to prop that up against the um, top of my laptop screen here. We are going to do a quick recap on everything we're talking about before, right? Um, man, I'm wondering why that came up. Interesting. Okay. Um, hmm. Well, I'm wondering why I said that. Hmm. Very interesting. Anyways. <laughs> um, something. Okay, I know the reason why. Right. I know why I wrote that down. So um we've been explaining the jewish feasts amen yes that's why right and we've been walking through some of these things and a major goal we've we've had is to make sure that we understand all of these things in context of the rest of the scriptures so for example the scriptures that explain to us that we should not observe days and seasons and times and all these things and new moon festivals and all these things and if you study the Jewish feast, you're going to see, you know, that all of them are dictated by, by full moons. And you're like, wait, why is the Bible telling us that we should not observe these festivals? And yet the cave in the cave, there's a hammering, you know, uh, you know, pointing at all of these feasts. Hallelujah. And, you know, there are three things I pointed out. Um, one of them being the fact that these feasts are rehearsals pointing at something, right? There is a, they all have a significance and they're meant to be um, landmarks en route to our final destination, which is Christ. Okay, so there are ways of gauging, amen, the measure of development we've come into as far as like looking like Jesus is concerned, as far as being a tabernacle of God is concerned, amen. The degree of manifestation, okay, 
you're able to check, check the intensity of your manifestation by looking up yourself on the Jewish calendar. Does that make sense? You're looking for something called the acceptable year of the Lord, which starts with Passover, ends with Tabernacles. Amen? Another reason why is because um, all of creation follows the protocols that these feasts are dictating, right? These feasts are almost like the protocols through which governing entities administrate things that are happening on the earth. So if I wanted to administer something on a global scale, I will be very interested in the Jewish feasts. That is the truth. It doesn't matter how spiritual I think I am. It doesn't matter how new creation I think I am. God himself, when God wants to do things on a global scale, check when he does them. So if you are meant to be like him, guess what you're going to be doing, amen? I saw him would say, are you saying that we should light candles and do all these things? Like I said before, amen? The lighting of candles, the, all these other things or whatever, as wonderful and as beautiful as they are, because that is the best human culture on the planet, is the Jewish culture, that is the truth. And you cannot, you, you, it, that is the plateau. From, from that, you, everything else upwards is the, the actual intention of God that the feasts are shadows of, amen? And what I was trying to say by, oh, come on. What I was trying to say was, Oh man, it is well, amen. Yes, you're going to discover that um, when God sets up things on the earth, amen, they don't just function. It might seem like they are spontaneous. It might seem like they are, they are random. It might seem like they are unpredictable, amen. But then upon careful observation, thank goodness for men that took time out to study the happenings and cycles taking place in creation, we discovered that, oh my goodness, rain actually happens at specific points in time. Oh my gosh, it snows at specific points in time. And there's reasons why it snows. Oh my goodness, there's something called the water cycle. My goodness, plants, they release carb um, oxygen and they take in carbon dioxide. They, there's an ecosystem, there are ecosystems taking place here. This is not just random and spontaneous. There is a lot of structure and order. Now, things are put in place with the wisdom of God to dictate how things happen. So we go from looking at creation as this huge circus of everyone just doing something. You know, now seeing with the eye of the spirit, with understanding of some of these things, amen, a finely tuned clock, amen. If you ever look at a clock before, you see there's all these gears. All of them, they seem like they're moving at different rates or at different speeds. But if you check, their goal is to measure things, right? To, uh, uh, you know, the accurate timekeeper, right? Hallelujah. And that's what you see in the book of Genesis chapter one. Amen. When the Bible speaks about, you know, the new moons and all these things, they are for times, seasons, for feast days. Hallelujah. For appointed feasts. Hallelujah. And um, for this reason, the language that creation speaks was given to the Jewish people. Amen. And a major dialect of this, I would say, or maybe like say like from um, conjugation, amen, of, of this language is found in the feasts, amen. And you check the workings of God throughout time. In fact, if you check how spirits operate, they work in cycles, amen. If you are dealing with a spirit, this is why anyone that is dealing with a spirit, disciplines are non-negotiable, amen. It's not because they want you to stop being lazy, amen. That's a major reason, right? Because 
Spirits don't work with lazy people. Lazy people, they can't birth anything, right? A lazy person, ah, I mean, I no kill Jesus. Amen? <laughs> because you did not kill Jesus. That is the reason why that spirit is not going to find you prospering. Amen? People in the occult world, amen? You will see the sacrifices that they give. People in the dark realm of things, amen? People in the scriptures, our examples, the ones that they have for us, if you see their diligence, it will make you shudder. It will, it will shock, amen? It will shock you. Hallelujah. Amen. And all these things were written so that we will not be too surprised when there are high demands placed on us by the spirits of God. Amen. In the area of disciplines, in the area of consistency, in the area of faithfulness, right? In the area of repetition, right? And these cycles, if you check, amen, they are not sporadic. They are not spontaneous. They are not random. They are all finely tuned by the spirits of God. And so I've said before that in the cave, we discovered that when the spirits of God will birth in us a strong conviction to host a meeting, to minister to the church, to release something to the body, we would later on discover it happened on a feast day. I remember when I first discovered Hanukkah, I was shocked. I just knew the way the Spirit is emphasizing now, there must be something happening right now. And lo and behold, the very next week was the Feast of Lights. <laughs> I just thought that was the coolest thing. And then we had Yahweh to face. And I remember there is something God is doing now. It was Tub Shavath, the Feast of Trees. Amen. We've had so many of them. And just finding that is a beautiful thing because this is how, I, I, for me, it shows me that the spirit that worked in our ancestors is at work in us today. Amen. It's so cool how, yes, it's crazy, right? Thousands of years ago, that spirit is still at work now. I just think that's, that's just, that, that is just fascinating. Amen. It's, it, I think it's crazy. Uh, it shows that we can, for lack of better words, regenerate everything that we're seen in the scriptures. If we're able to walk with the Lord to the intensity, to the severity, to the sincerity, level, you know, level or degree of, of sincerity that those who the Lord penned down the scriptures through did. Amen. It's so encouraging to, to witness these things. Hallelujah. And um, with this understanding, you can see that when God is at work on the inside of you, amen, there's going to be the times and seasons of God. Isn't that what the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11 by faith we understand that the ages the words in the worlds in some translation but actually the, the um, greek word is ages aeons right the ages that means the time the seasons amen are framed by god's word hallelujah and so basically what the bible is telling us here is that god's word dictates times and seasons amen for example genesis chapter one right and God said, and God said, and God said, and all these happens on each of the days of creation. Hallelujah. Why am I saying all of these things? I want to make sure there isn't a shadow of doubt in your heart. Amen. As you're studying the feasts, we are not taking you to Judaism. Amen. Don't let um, a shallow criticism of what we are saying blind you. You'd be very foolish to allow that. Amen. To sway your attention. Don't be shallow in your understanding of anything. Amen. Even in your understanding of deception, make sure you understand why the deception is wrong. Don't say it is bad and then run away. Find out why is this thing wrong? Amen. The truth, no matter how hard you knock on truth, is going to answer with the same person, right? It's lies that when you knock once, it answers one way, knock another twice, it knocks another way. That's when you can tell something shady here. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Okay. So um, the spirits of God dictates, and whenever the spirit of God is at work, he brings forth all these times. And he brings forth all of these seasons. Amen. And we explain that when Satan is at work in someone, there are seasons also that are laid out. It's not just God that brings forth times and seasons. In fact, if you check the structure, um, the architecture of Satan captured in Revelation chapter 12, 
shows him as having seven heads, right? And we've explained that each of these heads, amen, correspond to, um, um, for lack of better words, um, the kingdoms of this world, amen? And um, it's interesting because if you study a book like Esther, you would see that these kings, they had feasts, amen? And in this feast, they had a lot of wine, hallelujah. And so you see that the kingdom of Persia would have feasts. And there were things called the hanging gardens of Babylon. When you study every civilization very closely, you see that, wow, Satan was really trying to copy God. Or basically, that's all he's known. He's not trying to copy God. That's all he knows. He doesn't know anything else. That's the best way forward. I wish we would be the same way, right? <laughs> Hallelujah. But you would see that when even dark spirits are at work on the inside of an individual, they still bring about times and seasons and cycles. You're going to find out that if the spirit of Cain is working on the inside of you, the goal is to bring forth the Antichrist. That's what you see in the book of First John chapter 2, when the Bible says, um, uh, make sure you love your brothers. Don't be as Cain who slew his brother. Why bring up Cain there when speaking about the love of the brethren and the Antichrist? Because Cain was a progenitor, right? He was kind of like a pioneer who, who paved the way forward into this journey of descent into darkness. Hallelujah. And... Um, um, these seven kingdoms of this world, we see four of them captured in the book of Babylon, um, Babylon in the book of Daniel chapter seven as um, four kings, right? Um, four beasts, sorry. Um, but each of these four beasts are four kings. And we've explained before that these kings were not the human avatars on the earth, amen? I'm talking about Nebuchadnezzar. I'm talking about Darius, Belshazzar. No, 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 no. The actual kings were demonic princes, Amen. Um, they were spiritual hosts of wickedness, principalities and powers, rulers of the darkness of this world, who were who had a specific goal of supervising the conformity of humanity into alignment with that image that Nebuchadnezzar saw. The man, the man with the head of gold, the chest of silver, the amen. That man that was meant to be governed by the princes of this age, and these dark princes were meant to accomplish this by a very strict diet of pollution that would lead one, amen, to rebel against God. The fruit of that diet, the fruit of their dominion, the fruit of those cycles working in the soul of a human being who has come under their influence is that they become enemies of God, enemies of the things of God, enemies of the things of God. The reason why we as believers are not erupting, amen, with, you know, um, with joy, drawing forth from the world of salvation as we ought to is because of worldliness. Amen. And worldliness is not about you holding a cigarette in your hand. It's not about you um, drinking alcohol. Yes, these things are signs that someone is being governed by an entity. Amen. However, if we limit our definition of worldliness to these external manifestations, we might miss the actual root system that is below the surface, which is the absence of the spirits of God due to enmity. In other words, someone is riding on a beast. Someone is, has been scarred by a beast. Someone has been marked by a beast. Amen. Or someone is um, you know, bearing some kind of resemblance to a beast. Hallelujah. And when we say beast, it sounds really scary and dark. Amen. Well, when we say beast, we're talking about the civilizations of this world. Don't think about one mutant creature that came out of the, you know, the Wuhan lab. <laughs> Hallelujah. The beast we're making reference to is civilization. So when you go to Dubai, amen. When you go to, I'm going to say it again, when you go to Dubai, because Dubai is really pretty. When you go to Singapore, amen, when you go to Italy, I look, I actually, actually would like to go to Italy because I love, I love culture. I love when I see um, God, the variety of the Lord, amen. But whenever there's culture and there's no God in the middle, 
it's very grieving. I went, I stayed on when I was in the UK recently, when I was in the UK this year, I was in a place called Brighton and my goodness, what a colorful place that, um, that region was. But every time I close my eyes to pray, a burden will hit me. There was no time. I didn't feel God's, the grief of the Lord Jesus because of broken families and, and broken homes and broken children, fractured souls because of homosexuality and all kinds of rubbish and perversion of all sorts, not just homosexuality. That's not the only culprit, amen. All evil is evil, amen. But just that there's some ones that when they show up, it's a sign that darkness is, is maturing, right? Darkness is developing. For us to go this far, we have really gone, we have really, really gone far, amen. And so whenever we see those things, we're like, whoa, I think it's the time for us to back up here. Hallelujah. <sighs> so um, it's not just Satan that has <laughs> these cycles, right? Um, again, I mentioned before, he got them from the Lord. That's all he knew. Amen. Satan had no life apart from the life of God. When he left God, he died. <laughs> That's how serious it is. Amen. So he knows nothing else. Amen. And um, the original, amen, the original um, 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 system that God has, amen is what we can refer to as um, the feasts of the Lord. And again, in order, these feasts are Passover, amen? They're unleavened bread, first fruits, Pentecost, the Feast of Trumpets, the Day of Atonement, and then the Feast of Tabernacles, amen? And um, we just had Yom Kippur ended a few hours ago. Am I right? 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 2022, what day is it? It was, yes, ended on Wednesday, 5th of October. Yep, ended about a little over two hours ago. Amen. Um, I want to encourage you from this point onwards onto the day of, onto the, day of the Feast of Tabernacles and um, Shavuot this year is when? Oh, come on, don't, don't fail me now. 2022, don't do 2022A. <laughs> um, Shavuot is Pentecost. What's wrong with me? Booths. Feast of Booth, my bad, um, Tabernacles, <laughs> Tabernacles this year, 16th of October, that's when it ends, okay, I want to encourage you, do not wait for that time to begin to wait on the Lord, amen, um, let me share one more reason why I believe feasts are important, you would see that apart from the fact that all spiritual people, they find themselves sliding into these um, time frames and timelines and windows of time, I have also discovered something, amen, except for when it is revealed to you by God, whenever you see a lot of people praying or seeking God and you join them, you're going to find yourself enjoying a lot of access. We have access by the blood. We have access by faith, amen. But all of these things I just said now, they're all hinging on the faith that is in your heart, right? If the faith that is in your heart is not able to get you more than you can get corporately. I want to encourage you to take advantage of that resource. Does that make sense? It's like you see God giving help to the body, amen? And one of the helps is that, oh, when you guys gather together, it is so easy to believe God's word. The, 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 the common sense is whenever you see people coming together, join them and pray, right? Join them and sing, join them and fast, join them and read the Bible, duh, 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 duh. amen? I'm saying duh, duh, duh to mean common sense, right? Duh, amen? So when these feast days are taking place, believers all over the world, there is a heart posture, those that are in the know, adopt, amen? And what is that? An attitude of reverence. These are called the days of awe. It is a wonderful time for you as a Christian to experience a lot of access. So don't say to yourself, I'm a new Christian man, I don't care about the feast, I don't care about blah, 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 blah. You know, all of these things, you're not, no one is going to be harmed but yourself. That is the truth. You will deny yourself of the community of saints accessing the presence of God en masse. 
Amen. And this is why many people, they experience deliverance during such times as this. One of my friends, friend of mine or whatever, who, you know, he's been dealing with a whole bunch of stuff. As soon as Rosh Hashanah hit, the boy just woke up from his spiritual slumber and he's like, we need to pray. We need to pray. We need to pray. I prayed for him. I prayed with him um, before the meeting. That's why I stepped out from the, from the, from the church, the, hall, the hallway. Um, um, people will just start waking up during Rosh Hashanah, during these feast days. Apart from the fact that the protocols of creation do this, and apart from the fact that God gave these feasts, amen, just the mere fact that many believers are seeking God at these times alone, alone, that makes it a powerful window to tap into. And if God has already given you your own time to pray, why would you do, what, who is, what, is, there, is there a sin to pray more? Is it a sin to go on a fast from now? For me, many times I fast. God doesn't ask me to fast. Most times I fast. I'm going to be honest with you. Most times I fast. I am not afraid to fast without God instructing me. I fast at will. I want to get deeper into God. What do I do? I go on a fast. I don't care. I will just keep on fasting because I feel I've hit something. And most times I plan shut-ins. God doesn't tell me to shut-in. I'll have this feeling I should draw closer to God, per se. I might not get his explicit date, per se, but I will just go by myself go and fast. I'm not afraid to fast. I'm not afraid to pray. Amen? And to be honest with you, I probably fast a lot more than um, what you would call it, then uh, not the more than I should. Anyways, hallelujah. What I'm trying to say here is I want to encourage you to not be afraid of, for example, going on a fast from now till the 16th of October. You won't die. And I don't mean you won't eat food at all. You know, you can do something that's not, you know, you don't, if you don't have the conviction for it, don't go wound yourself, right? But there's some measure of self-restraint you can exercise, right? You can say, for example, now there's some things that I, I like doing. I like, um, um, I'm not going to share those, <laughs> but I could just say, now, okay, let me say now, I don't watch any tech videos from now until, from every day until like 12 noon, a consecration. I don't watch any, I don't do anything that is not like purely Jesus until 3 p.m. You get what I'm saying? Amen. Hallelujah. Someone sent me a message. If you're waiting for God to tell you before you fast, you're probably living in the world that's <laughs> passed away. <laughs> I agree. Amen. <laughs> As a believer, we get to enjoy God. We get to feast on God. Amen. And God's invitation is, if you check all the parables that Jesus Christ would give, wedding feast, amen, party. God is a God of celebration. He's inviting everyone if you don't join. There's a picture the Bible always gives that if you don't join, there's this almost harshness that comes on. And the narratives always paint um, the character that appears to be God as the one that's expressing harshness towards you. Amen. I want to encourage you by saying this. God doesn't have to be harsh towards you. Amen. When you, when you disregard, amen, his invitations. The world you're living in will deal with you itself. <laughs> amen. The worldliness that made you deny God's invitation. That's the thing that will deal with you. Amen. We don't want to be dealt with by anyone, but by God. God is the one that should deal with us, right? When God said, do you want famine? Do you want plague? Do you want your enemies? David said, I want you. Hallelujah. Amen. So um, we are in um, Yom Kippur. This is the, the Day of Atonement. We were in, sorry, Yom Kippur. That's the Day of Atonement. Amen. And it was a picture of when a, the shining one of Israel would manifest. Amen. And I love that language. I really love that language. Um, in ancient Israel, and I studied, it was a Bible project that I first saw this, explain, that the first explained this. They explained that all of the gemstones, all of the different things, the high priest wore, all the paraphernalia, all those charmed things. Amen. They were not charmed by Satan. They were charmed by God. Amen. <laughs> they were char charmed with the presence of God. If one of those things touched you, I will not be surprised if you experience healing immediately. Amen. Physical healing in your body. Amen. I say this, I explain this about what happened with Aaron, right? That he couldn't die while he had the, the priestly <laughs> regalia on. He had, God told Moses, please take your brother up on the mountain. The guys have died since. 
take his clothes off him so he can go, he can leave his body. <laughs> Hallelujah. Because the priest, the priestly um, garments will not let you die. It's so charged with the presence of God. Hallelujah. And so um, um, what would happen is that on the day of atonement, Aaron would go through all of these rituals, amen, all with the hopes of, of um, experiencing or at least mimicking what Moses um, showed Israel when he descended from Mount Sinai after feasting with God, amen? And so what would happen is he would go through all these rituals and you know, kill all these animals, do all these things that are captured in the book of Leviticus and the rest of the scriptures, amen? And when everything is done, he gets access to the most holy place. I wanna show you something, what feasting God can do to you, amen? So God invited everyone to come and feast with him and they said no, okay? Only person that came to feast with God was Moses. You know what's interesting? That high priest, um, those rituals that happen on the atonement, amen? You know, the high priest, um, when he gets to the holy place, he goes through rituals, you know, rituals with a candlestick, rituals with a table of shoe bread, and rituals with a golden altar. And the whole point of all of those furniture items was to, for lack of better words, um, activate or trigger, amen, functionality that was um, latent in that suit, amen? That um, priestly garment, that I like to call it a suit, amen? And the purpose of all of that was so that he, you know, um, I think Pastor David, for the first person I heard this from, that um, upon activating um, all of the spiritual operations captured in those furniture items, amen, there's going to be um, a trigger, okay, that transforms um, the high priest's body, okay, into a, a form that allows him to literally phase through the veil, where the veil is no longer present. So, as he keeps on doing the rituals, as he keeps on offering up incense and incense and incense and incense and incense, all of a sudden he begins, he begins to see a way into the most holy place, okay? And then when he offers up that incense, he, now, he can now walk through. Now when he walks through, he phases through the veil, which no man can lift up by himself, which is so heavy and so thick, it was impossible for him to go in there by himself. So he phases through the veil. And when he phases through the veil, he comes before the most holy and there the Shekinah latches onto him. And then he walks out with tangible light, which he then dispenses over Israel as he releases the El Shaddai blessing. Hallelujah. Now, the reason why I'm saying this is because Moses did not need to offer up any incense. Amen. Moses did not need to kill any animals. Moses could walk into the most holy place at any point in time. That tells me one of two things. It's either that veil was charged itself with something that makes it um, um, makes it, um, oh, come on, allows it to, you to face through it, depending on the righteousness. It is almost like a, like a, like face ID on your phone. Amen. If, if the veil sees that you look like God, it lets you through. Right. But if it doesn't see you, if you see you don't look like God, it doesn't let you through. Amen. Or looking like God allows you to face through the veil. I prefer the, prefer the latter. Amen. And I say that because it, it will suggest that there's something unique about the body of the righteous one, right? Amen. Because Moses, for him to get into the most holy place, do you know what that means? That means when he entered the tabernacle at any point in time, he would organically face through. That's crazy. That was his everyday act. It was just him normally. What would happen? You know, the reason why he came into that estate where he could face through solid objects at will by feasting on God. Hallelujah. So all the high priest rituals were to accomplish that objective, to fulfill that goal. Amen. Hallelujah.
Okay, I want to make sure I went through all of this. Yes. Okay, so lastly, I'm going to do a quick recap on on um, on what I said um, on Monday. Amen. And we can transition into what we have for today. Amen. Hope you've been blessed by all of this. Hallelujah. Um, the quick recap was that um, the testimony of Jesus. Amen. Um, sorry, the book of life. Amen. That we have in our spirit, man, is a transcript of the life of Jesus Christ. All of his works that we are meant to do. All of Jesus Christ is captured in your spirit, man, right now. Not a baby Jesus, not a not an adolescent Jesus, not a grandpa Jesus. The Jesus Christ that is on the throne right now. His spirit is inside of you, full blown, unrestrained, unrestricted, absolutely no difference. Amen. The Bible says he that is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. I explained before that God's form. Amen. If you come into God's form, you automatically join. It means you're yoked with him. There is only one God. So that form of God demands union. Does that make sense? So if you're looking like God, it means you are being fused, right? Your union, you're being united with God. Hallelujah. And so because of this, man, this is so beautiful. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. That means that my spirit, man, amen, is the same spirit inside of God. Isn't that crazy? That's crazy, right? That is, that, that is a meditation for dealing with everything in life. My spirit and God's spirit are one. So the, if the spirit inside of God is the same spirit inside of me, that is, that is worth shouting about. That is worth celebrating. <laughs> in fact, that's actually what the feasts are all about. Enjoying, amen, the spirit of God that is inside of us. Amen? Hallelujah. Now, in, you know, the spirit of God inside of us is projecting, amen, um, the contents of this book, the works of Jesus, the life of Jesus, the mannerisms of Jesus, the thoughts of Jesus, amen. But I explained that these projections are being obstructed, amen, by worldliness in the soul. And that worldliness in the soul makes it seem as though the life of God is cryptic, amen. This is why the Bible says things like, um, when I speak in tongues, I speak mysteries unto God. But then later on in 1 Corinthians 13, it says that um, when that which is perfect has come, tongues will cease. Amen. And it explains that the reason why tongues are mysterious is because the book has not yet been unsealed to us. When that which is perfect has come, no longer will tongues be a mystery to your understanding. No longer will your understanding be unfruitful or your understanding will be flooded with light by virtue of feasting on God extensively. And the fruit of that feasting, amen, is that tongues will cease. Why? I will understand what God is saying. I will be able to commune with God, not just with, um, um, with my spirit man's, um, because what your spirit man is doing when you're praying in the Holy Spirit is that your spirit man is joined to the Lord. And so God's internal um, musings, God's internal um, 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 thoughts, desires, and actions, amen, those things are, are whizzing inside the hearts of God, amen? When you speak in tongues, you are releasing or giving them utterance. You're giving them a voice, amen? Now, here is the thing. Because of the sophistication, <laughs> amen, of what God is saying. A good way to think about this is when a child picks up an A-level physics textbook, if the child begins to read, let's say the child is in the first grade, primary one, primary two. They might recognize a number. They might recognize a letter, right? They might say, ah, A, number one. Number three, 
close the book and I run away because of us concerned. This thing doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Amen. So when you're speaking in tongues, once in a while, you might be shooting wisdom. Understanding. All the things you've been saying, all you heard was wisdom and understanding. <laughs> Nothing else made sense to you. Amen. Hallelujah. There is a whole body, amen, of that internal musing on, on God, amen, that is looking for interpretation in and through us, amen. But the best that we can give expression to are those syllables. Hallelujah. So that language of God, is, it seems cryptic, amen, because the soul has not been exposed yet or feasted yet on the spirits of God. That's what the Bible says. He that prays in no tongue, let him pray that he may interpret. Hallelujah. And that interpretation, amen, comes by feasting on the spirits of God, by infillings of the spirits of God, amen? And these infillings, amen, are captured in the book of Revelation as the unsealing of the book, where the book is no longer cryptic, but the book is now something that can be read. It is open, it is unsealed. The Feast of Tabernacles is also called the Feast of the Open Book. I learned that from Papa Paul Keith Davis. Hallelujah, amen. And so um, our journey, our goal, is that no longer would the words of the vision, right, be as a book that is sealed, but that the life of Jesus being projected, amen, by the life force of God emerging from my spirit, man, amen, trying to find expression through my soul, no longer would that life force, you know, come off as cryptic, but instead there'll be a synergy and harmony and a participation and a facilitation, actually, by my soul in living out Amen. That life that is captured in my spirit, man. I hope everyone understands what I'm saying. Amen. And the way that this decryption happens, amen, is by feasting on God. Please hear me out. If you are not feasting on God, the book will not be unsealed. Amen. And when the book is not unsealed, there is a measure of love you can bring forth. Amen. There is a way you can offer sacrifice unto God. And for that level, you might be doing amazingly well. But compared to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, dare I say, because it is that measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ that will end this age, that 144,000, you cannot end this age. We cannot end this age at this level we are at now. At this stage, we've been on for millennia, amen, going by and by and just enjoying God and going to heaven, amen, as wonderful as these things are. They do not compare to what is necessary to shut down this age. Hallelujah. And it is the church that is unable to shut down this age that is empowering Satan. Amen. Satan has no power left but our ignorance. He has no power left, amen, but the absence of our experience of our life. As we exercise ourselves, as we allow development to take place, as we feast on the spirits of God, there are verdicts captured in the book of Revelation. There are thresholds we get to, one of them being that there will be no longer any place for Satan in the church. This is where God wants us to get to, amen? And for this reason, there is a demand now that we are no longer ignorant, amen, of the seven feasts of the Lord, that the church would be fully equipped, amen, understanding that appetite is critical for ending this age. That a strict diet of the pure, sincere, unadulterated spirits of God is necessary for ending this age. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, Jesus.
So again, all these seven feasts, amen, they are administered, um, these, I'm sorry, the seven seals, amen, they're administered private. I'm using the National Book of Revelation to explain all this, amen. They are um, experienced privately by the man-child company, amen. And I explained that whenever you receive, amen, this, um, this unsealing process, whenever this is administered directly to you, you are now, um, the spelling out of the name of, of the Lord takes place on the inside of you. Or let me phrase it like this, the individuals, that's experience, amen? The unsealing process by virtue of the spirits of God, they themselves are sealed by the same spirit. Does that make sense? This is why to seem like those who are sealed by the spirits of God, the, the book is unsealed to them. Let me show this to us in the scriptures, amen? This is the last point that would explain to us, amen? What the seven um, seals of God are. Revelations chapter five. Thank you, Jesus. I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne, a scroll written inside and on the back, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and to loosen its seals. Hmm. And no one in heaven or on the earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look at it. And I wept much because no one was found worthy to open and read the scroll or to look at it. But one of the elders said to me, do not weep. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, he has prevailed. Notice how he said roots of David. We're going to see the reason why in a bit. Amen. Has prevailed to open the scroll and to loosen its seven seals. Now, roots of David is in reference to Isaiah chapter 11. There shall appear. Amen. Isaiah chapter 11. I'm not going to go there. I'm just going to quote it. Amen. But it says, it shall come out a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots, that roots of David, and the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord, and they shall make him of a quick understanding and the fear of the Lord. That's Isaiah chapter 11, I just read right now. Amen. Hallelujah. And I looked, and behold, in the midst of the throne of the four living creatures, in the midst of the elders, stood a lamb as though it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes. And what are these seven horns and seven eyes? These are the seven spirits of God sent out into all of the earth. Hallelujah. Can we see that? Jesus' ability to unseal the scroll is because he has the seven spirits of God, both in their activation and in their authority. The Bible says, upon whom, John the Baptist received this instruction, upon whom you see the spirits descending upon and resting. This is he that baptizes with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Now, that baptism is necessary for unsealing the books. Amen? It is necessary. Jesus Christ um, um, has to be the one that is going to administer that process because only he has the fullness of the spirits of God. Now, by virtue of our union with him, we get to experience that fullness as well. Amen. And we experience that fullness by feasting. It's not by saying, I'm the fullness of Christ, I'm the fullness of Christ. And you don't actually engage in that process long enough to quantify as a feast. I, I know what I'm saying, because many of us, to some degree, every child of God in some form or fashion exercises themselves in the things of God to some degree. Amen. But the purpose of identifying these feasts is for marking out what qualifies, what measurement, amen, what, what, what in level of intensity, what potency 
amen, qualifies this interaction with God as feasting. Very important we're able to distinguish this, amen. If you check the seals in the book of Revelations, chapter 6, you would see that the fruit, amen, of the unsealing of the book is utter chaos on the things of this world. Let's, let's take a quick um, glance at some of these interactions, amen. Hallelujah. I saw when the lamb opened one of the, one of the seals, and I heard one of the four living creatures saying with a loud voice like thunder, come and see. And I looked and behold a white horse and he who sat on it had a bow and a crown was given to him and he went out conquering and to conquer. Now that creature you just saw now, okay? Or that entity, amen, is called um, one of the four spirits of the heavens. It's one of the chariots of fire, amen? There's, they're called the hosts of the Lord here on the earth, amen? And what you see them in the book of Zechariah, what these entities do is that they go to pacify the will of the spirit in regions, in areas, amen? Now, they would say things in the book of Zechariah like the North country and the South country and the East country and the West country. I've explained this before. All of these coordinates, they're meant to correspond, amen, to the four, amen, letters of God's name, the Yod, the He, the Vav, the He, and the four faces, the lion, the ox, the man, and the eagle. So each of these, these um, four spirits of the heaven, you're going to see them when the four seals are being broken, amen? They correspond to each of the faces of the four living creatures. If you read the book of Revelation chapter 6 very carefully, you will see that correspondence. What am I saying here? The unsealing of the scroll, amen? Feasting on God, amen? Unleashes upon your soul, amen? These operations. Now, when these operations are released upon the soul, they are not coming to, be, to make friends, amen, with your soul. You know the reason why? The reason why they need to be released upon the soul is because the soul, amen, because of the civilizations of this world, amen, that soul, amen, needs to experience, amen, the civilization of God. Now, when these two kingdoms, they come into connection with each other, they are not coming to play games. This is the reason why when you read the fruit, amen, of the unsealing of the scroll, what you see is things like conquering and to conquer. And you see killing and murder, amen, and violence. And then you see famine. And then you see death. Someone would say, how can God, why is Jesus Christ causing all this commotion? Jesus is a good God, amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Do you know that when the kingdom, the stone that was cut without hands, do you know what it did to the civilization of this world? It didn't come to raise them up or to beautify them or to help them, you know. Hallelujah. <laughs> what did they come to do? It came to crumble them. Amen. To crumble all of them from, Egypt, from Assyria to Egypt to Babylon to Persia, amen, to Greece to Rome, to the king of the Antichrist, the Bible said that Jesus Christ is going to destroy the Antichrist with the brightness of his appearance. Amen? In other words, when all of the, as these seals, as the feasting on God is taking place, something about this world is dying on the inside of you. Hallelujah. Whoever makes himself, amen, a, a friend of this world makes himself an enemy of God. Now, if all your life Amen. You've been exposed. When I say this, I'm talking about the civilization of this world. If all your life you've been exposed to the civilization of this world, then many things, amen, that you think are the right way to do things are actually drawn 
from the civilization of this world. For this reason, amen, for this reason, when the spirits of God begins to invade your soul, there is a need to destroy some things. There, there's going to be a need to end some things. And this feasting on God is going to appear like it is attacking you. It is not you that is being attacked. It is the kingdoms of this world that you think are inside of you that God wants to destroy. God wants to cut off those covenants that we've made. Those covenants are made in the heart region, amen? Where we have strongholds, where we have veils, where we have doubts, where we have unbelief, where we have arguments, where we have reasonings, amen? Where we have high things and knowledges that exalt themselves above the knowledge of God. Those are the things that tell the spirits of God. You have almighty God inside of you. They'll tell God, I have stopped there. Just stop there. Stop. Amen. So God has put himself inside of you. He was successful in making you his home. Amen. You are now carrying God all around. But it's not to say that I'm carrying God. Oh, look at me. I'm carrying God. Wow. As beautiful as that is, that is not all that God has in mind. Amen. There is meant to actually be an outflow. Amen. Of that life force to the soul that is meant to instruct the soul with the intelligence of God, instruct the soul with the consciousness of God, instruct the soul with the emotions of God, instruct the soul with the hopes, the dreams, the aspirations, amen? The convictions of God, the musings of God, the civilization of God. Now, that life force's goal, flowing out from, from your spirit man, amen? has these things in mind. It wants to bring upon the soul the very awareness that God has of himself. They want to put that on you. The fruit of that is that you awaken as God. The problem is these high things that are resisting, frustrating God accessing, amen? Frustrating the appearance of God inside of you. For this reason, a strict diet, amen, is a portion to us where we feast on God. The consequence of this feasting, amen, is that the name of God begins to appear on our foreheads progressively as we feast. That name of God is not saying that one day you wake up and you get a J on your head. I'm going to be honest with you, that's actually going to happen to many of us, amen. I've had times when I would overcome something in the realm of the spirit and when I've, I've waged warfare and I've been successful, my face would begin to shine, kind of like Moses did. My sister would walk into my room and say, what's happened to you? Your face is shining. And I'll tell her, oh, I just obeyed an instruction that God told me to do. Oh, I just let go of this thing that's in the flesh. Oh, I stopped doing this thing. Amen. It's happened to me a few times. Amen. I remember once, I think Auntie Julia was one that this happened to. And we were praying. This was in 2020. We were praying. And she got caught up into the heavenlies. Amen. And she had this wonderful experience. During the 3 p.m. watch, and when she was finished, she started talking to me. That is, her face was so radiant. Auntie Julia is a very beautiful woman. Amen. But there was something unusual. It was so striking. I said, Auntie, you look gorgeous. Something is different about your face. And her face was radiating. It was just shining with the presence of God. Amen. Hallelujah. These are things that we're meant to enjoy. Amen. As we feast on God. Amen. Moses feasted on God and he became a shining one. Amen. All of the rituals that Aaron would go through were to mimic this. Amen. Part of these rituals was the seven feasts that Israel would go through. Hallelujah. Every year. Amen. I hope everyone understands what I've been saying. Amen. Hallelujah. When you read the book of Revelation, chapter six, you will see that all the first six seals, amen, they, they, they conclude, amen, they conclude, amen, with the branding or the sealing of the servants of God on their foreheads. Amen. This is when the man-child company 
Amen. And I explained before, the Manchild Company is not a special group of believers per se. They are just Christians that take feasting on God seriously. And let me add something I think would help. Amen. When we say feasting on God, I do not just mean reading your Bible and praying. Amen. I've explained before that the things, the, these things that are opposing God have to be dealt with. They are found in our subconscious. They are found in our unconscious. Amen. And I'm, I'm going to make reference to the conscious, unconscious. So I make reference to the soul's um, faculties as having three major degrees of access. The most accessible part of your soul is your consciousness. Amen. And um, your emotions can be accessed easily through that. Your mind, your imaginations, your will. Amen. But then there's deeper levels of that. Amen. Deeper in the soul. These are the things that dictate how you experience life. Amen. And these are your subconscious and ultimately your unconscious. Amen. You have unconscious emotions. You have an unconscious mind, um, unconscious, sorry, an unconscious will. You have an un, um, unconscious, I already mentioned emotions, unconscious imaginations. Amen. And all of these things together, they drive, amen, how you experience life. Amen. Now, the Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. I refer to the human heart as the subconscious and the unconscious. And I refer to the mind as your consciousness. Amen. As in the upper, upper levels of your consciousness, above your subconscious. Amen. You start off with your mind first, where your immediate affections are found. And then when your affections have been arrested, we then begin the writing of God's laws upon the heart. Amen. Now, that process includes the reading of the scriptures. That process includes prayer. But let me explain to you that when you look at all the faculties through which, amen, your, the different realms of your consciousness can be accessed. This includes your mind, your will, your emotions. Sorry, your will, your emotions. Your mind is upper region of your consciousness. Your will, your emotions, amen. Your, your imaginations, amen. And, and your, your pleasures, amen. When you look through all, there's actually six of them. I have them captured in the graphic I did. I'll show you guys later, amen. When you look at all of these, amen, you discover that how then do I feed my will? How do I access my subconscious by my will? Amen. Do you know the way you do that? By simply obeying the instructions of God. So I see something in the Bible and I do it. I see the Bible starts to heal the sick. I don't know how to heal the sick. When I go and start doing it, just obeying the scripture on the merit of seeing it in the Bible, just obeying it. Amen. When you're doing that, you are challenging the contents of your subconscious through the gateway. Amen. Through the spiritual sense, through the faculty of your will. This is why someone can keep on practicing sin. And through the Bible says, having eyes full of adultery, they cannot sin. A hard day of exercising covetous practices. Unstable souls, brute beasts made for destruction. That's Second Peter chapter 2. What the Bible explains that through practice, someone can perfect wickedness. Do you know that we perfect righteousness also through practice? Hallelujah. So I'm saying this to explain that it is not just by reading your Bible and praying that we feast on God. Amen. Part of feasting on God demands obedience to instructions. Amen. I dare say a major part of it is what I just said now. Amen. Where we exercise our will, exercise our will. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. So moving right along. Amen. The narrative. Amen. That we've been looking at is the narrative of the man-child company that feasts on God. Amen. Now, as soon as the Manchild Company is sealed, amen, a few things are declared in the book of Revelation chapter 7, like the number of them. But I want to point out something that happens in Revelation chapter 7 from verse 13. I'll just jump right in there, okay? 
One of the elders said to me, who are these arrayed in white robes and where do they come from? And I said to him, sir, you know. And he said to me, these are the ones who come out of the great tribulation and washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. The great tribulation hasn't happened yet. He's saying these are the ones who come out of the great tribulation. Okay. And they washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. Therefore, they are before. lead them to fountains of living water amen this is that feasting process taking place the reason why i said the great tribulation hasn't happened yet is because the great tribulation doesn't happen onto revelations chapter 12. we see this in the scriptures amen hallelujah okay so um you can see this in daniel chapter 12 verse 1 amen when michael the archangel stands up that is when the great trouble comes up amen and my goodness, when we understand what all of these things are, you will not be afraid of the end of the ages. You will be like Paul. You will be like, amen. I'm trusting God for understanding that goes beyond, amen, what our, my, our reasoning faculties can lay hold on, but what our hearts, our subconscious can latch onto, amen, driving convictions, amen, into our soul. Hallelujah. In chapter eight, we see a very interesting story, amen? When the seventh seal was opened, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour, and I saw seven angels who stand before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. And let me explain something, okay? Please listen to me very closely. Please listen to me very closely, okay? When you look at the seven seals, when you look at the seven trumpets, and when you look at the seven bowls of wrath, amen? each of these things they're all saying the same thing amen but to different people but here this very important detail inside of the seventh seal are the seven trumpets hope you heard that i'm going to say something else too inside of the seventh trumpet are the seven bowls of wrath does all this make sense so let me say like this okay the seven seals are on you know the seven seals they're broken off one seal two seal three four five six the seventh seal now takes all of the events book of revelation from chapter eight till the very end amen which includes this blasting the sounds of the blasting of the seven trumpets when the days of the seven trumpets be when the seven trumpet begins to sound the seven trumpet doesn't sound and that's it because you know when we read language in scripture we think that the seven trumpet sounds once and immediately it sounds because that was said that the trump right at the last one, it was the archangel of the she goes in with a shout. Amen. We think that immediately seven trumpet sounds, everything ends. No, 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 Amen. And I've explained this before. I explained this before in a word for now several weeks ago. Where I explained that the seven trumpets, amen, the Bible is one book, amen. When I say it's one book, I mean this thing is not even confusing at all. Once we get very familiar, amen, with the scriptures, all of these truths, it makes, it, it's such a, it's such a, a, a chef's kiss of, of harmony and synergy that you just begin to wonder, who on earth wrote, the, wrote this thing? Hallelujah. Amen. 
Okay, so the seven trumpets, amen. They are the days of the sounding of the seven trumpets, amen. It's a reference to um, Exodus chapter 19 and chapter 20. It's a reference to um, when Joshua, they marched around the walls of Jericho, amen. The seventh day, on the seventh day of their march around Jericho, they marched seven times, amen. So that seventh seal, the process of breaking that seventh seal includes the sounding of the seven trumpets, amen. But even the seven trumpet, the sounding of the seven trumpet includes the pouring out of the bowls of wrath. In other words, until the last bowl of wrath is poured, the first seal is not fully broken. Amen? And boy, recently the Lord showed me what happens when the seven bowl of wrath is poured out. When the seven bowl of wrath is poured out, it is poured out in a place called the air where Satan is hiding. But we'll get into that in the future. A word for now. Amen? Hallelujah. What I want to get to today, amen, was explain something that I... Pastor Douglas actually was the one that started this um, during my session, during um, the, um, um, the Watchman Prophetic Conference. Amen. Hallelujah. When he explained that um, Babylon has invaded the church. Amen. And it's simply to show us this. So let's, let's just jump in real quick. Amen. When he opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. And, I, and don't worry, I'm going to explain what I'm saying. Amen. Because some things that I say might sound very controversial and maybe even discomforting. But please hang in there and stay with me. Okay. Hallelujah. There was, um, I saw the seven angels who stand before God to them were given seven trumpets. Then another angel having a golden censer came and stood at the altar. He was given much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar, which was before the throne. You're going to see the prayers of the saints traveling from entity to entity to entity until finally it enters the saints themselves. Amen. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints ascended before God and from the angel's hand. Then the angel took the censer, filled it with fire from the altar, and threw it to the earth, and there were noises, thunderings, lightnings, and an earthquake. So the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound. And as soon as the angels begin to blow their trumpet, what you find are woes and crazy commotion begins to happen. Do you know where these things will happen? The first events that will take place, okay? They take place in the Manchild Company, in the hearts of the Manchild Company, okay? The blowing of the trumpets. When we're referring to the book of Joel, chapter, chapter two, right? Blow you a trumpet in Zion, sound the alarm on my, mount, on my holy mountain. The events of the sounding of the seven trumpets, they are taking place inside of the church. I'm going to say this again. The things that are happening, amen, the people who are receiving the consequence of the sounding of the seven trumpets are members of the body of Christ. Amen. When the sound of the seven trumpets, when the seven trumpets um, has finished sounding, immediately our bodies change. All the enemies of God will be subdued. Amen. We see this all throughout the scriptures, right? Hallelujah. We are the ones that experience the consequence of the sounding of the trumpets. But understand this, okay? It is necessary for the man-child company to be sealed for the trumpets to begin to sound. Okay. So with this understanding, amen, we can see, amen, hallelujah, that the, with this understanding, we can see that the man-child company is the one that is going to be administering the sounding of the seven trumpets. I'm going to say this again. Those people that have been feasting on God, they are the ones that will be able, amen, to administer the sounding of the seven trumpets. I'm going to say it again. It is those people who have been enjoying friendship with God 
that will be able to exp um, to administer, amen, the sounding of the seven trumpets to the church. Now, what the seven trumpets are coming to deal with is actually Babylon in the church. Or let me phrase it like this, it's actually Satan in the church. Now, I'm going to show this to us in a way that I think would be very helpful, okay? So that we can understand that that void in the church of the feasts of God is not, it is not that, hey, we have a feast of God, let's feast on God now. <laughs> the not feasting on God that the church has endured for thousands of years, that vacuum has been filled up by a dark entity. And it is the reason why a newborn again believer, once he, he can be experiencing God, amen, in the, in the wilderness, on the mission field, but once he comes into the organized church system, that church system will cripple as in it will so fight <laughs> the organic expression of God's life coming out from his spirit, man. Is everyone listening? You know the reason why? What we refer to as church culture, the church system as we have it now. And I'm not referring to what Jesus Christ um, initiated, amen, in Matthew chapter 16 on the day of Pentecost. I'm referring to what we have right now, that thing that we received during the dark ages, amen? That thing is an enemy of God. Now, to be able to deal with it, you must feast on God. Only those, please hear me out, that have been feasting on God will be able to administer the seven trumpets. That diet that the uh, mental company received, amen, that unsealed the scroll on the inside of them, is what they are going to now administer to the rest of the body through the seven trumpets. Is what I'm saying making sense? I hope this is not too difficult to understand. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. The body of Christ, amen, can only experience freedom from the inverted church system. Pastor Douglas will call it the harlot church system, amen. Can only experience liberty from that thing, amen through feasting, prescribed feeding, amen? A diet of sincere, pure, the good word of God, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter six. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I think a, a beautiful way of showing us all of this is by looking at what happens in the book of Revelation chapter nine. Ah, should we use chapter nine? No, it isn't difficult to understand. Okay, thank you. That's really, thank you so much. That's so encouraging. I like when people tell me to understand what I'm saying. Sometimes I feel like I'm talking to myself, amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. So let's, let's jump real quick to um, Revelations chapter 9 from verse 13. When the sixth angel sounded, I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar which poured um, before God, saying to the sixth angel, release the four angels and blah, 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 blah. And when these creatures are released, it is a scary thing, amen. But alongside with these angels that were released, amen, another creature was released, right? Revelation chapter 10. I saw a great and mighty angel coming down from heaven, clothed with a cloud, and a rainbow was on his head. His face was like the sun, and his feet like pillars of fire, amen? He had a little book open in his hand, and he set his right foot on the sea, and his left foot on the land, and he cried with a loud voice as when a lion roars. When he cried out, seven thunders uttered their voices now when the seven thunders uttered their voices i i was about to write 
But I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, seal of the things which the seven thunders uttered and write them not. The angel whom I saw standing on the sea and on the land raised up his hand to heaven and he swore by him. Can I be honest with you? I am looking forward to some experiences with God. Who here is looking forward? These things come as a consequence of administering some diet to the body of Christ. I'm going to explain what this is in a second, amen? But this is one of the coolest things for, the, for, for years. I will pray. I'm just discovering now the reason why the Lord will have me pray some scriptures, amen? For years, I would see this thing here and I will pray, 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 pray. Just desiring to, for lack of better words, like experience this thing, if that makes sense. I looked forward to specifically the parts where he roared. That part always got to when the Bible says that he roared like a, 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 he cried with a loud voice as when a lion roars. And when he cried out, seven thunders uttered their voices. Whenever I read that, I always get this visual in my mind. And I'm always looking forward to, Lord, I want to bear witness to this thing. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Okay. This creature that we are seeing here is an entity called the Lord God of the whole earth. I'm going to say that again, okay? This creature, I'm calling it a creature, amen? It's an angel of God, amen? Now, someone would say, why is an angel called the Lord God of the whole earth? There's angels that bear many ministries of God, amen? The Holy Spirit has de 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 designated, amen? Um, um, not designated, come on. He has delegated, yes, designated, delegated um, many of his ministries to ministering spirits, amen? And so you're going to find angels that have, for lack of a better word, caricatures of the ministries of the spirits of God. You find some angels that are called the likeness of God. That angel is called Michael. You find some angels called the strength of God. That angel is called Gabriel, amen? There's angels called the wisdom of God. Angels called the light of God, amen? Hallelujah. Now, what these creatures come to do is that they come, amen, to enforce, amen, under, through the, through um, human footstool agent, amen, that human beings that have submitted themselves to God's wisdom, to God's way of life, to God's civilization, amen, thus enthroning God on the earth, amen, they are, when they are present, that, 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 of, that, that um, name of God, that ministry of God, that the Spirit of God has delegated to them, would then be present. Does that make sense? So when some angels come, because of their presence, a portion, amen, of the Holy Spirit's operations are now present by virtue of that, amen, of that angel, that angel standing there, amen. This is the reason why I've said before that as we become more like Jesus, amen, like Jesus Christ said, you shall see the heavens open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man is making reference to the spirits of God trafficking freely in the soul of the human, of, 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 a, of a fully developed um, child of God. Amen. Because of that, you find the ministering um, 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 the, the, um, these um, operations of the spirits of God, sorry, um, being transported to and fro, amen, through the hearts, consecrated hearts, amen, of children of God that have gone through feastings, amen, through feasts. Hallelujah. Who here is excited for such things? Amen. I don't want, I, I want this Christianity that this guy is experiencing here. Amen. You cannot experience this thing. Something will happen to you. And let me say something too. Experiences of these things are not limited to visionary experiences, to trances, 
Some of these experiences, they are happening in context that might shock you, like the forgiveness of your brother or your sister. It might shock you. Your obedience to that instruction, amen, fills up the measurement that qualifies you for having partaken of a specific feast. And so because of that obedience, you have received the unsealing of the scroll. You have received the sounding of the trumpet. Who knows what I'm saying? Or you've administered it. Hallelujah. Okay. He swore da, 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 that there should be time or delay no longer. But in the days, okay, well, let me keep on reading. The angel whom I saw standing on the scene on the land raised up his hand to heaven and swore by him who lives forever and ever, who created heaven and the things that are in it, and the earth and the things that are in it, and the sea and the things that are in it, that there should be delay no longer. But in the days of the sounding of the seventh angel, when he is about to sound, the mystery of God would be finished as he has declared to his servants, the prophets. Then the voice which I heard from heaven spoke to me again and said, go take the little book which is open in the hand of the angel who stands on the sea and on the earth. Can you see that? For this entity to be present, some humans, amen, the book has to be unsealed in their midst, amen. The reason why this angel was allowed to come down from heaven to the earth was because of human beings on the earth. He called, we referred to them as the two witnesses later on, amen. Well, because of these individuals being present here on the earth, the fruit, amen, of that feasting on God is that they could download, amen, a ministration, an operation of God called the Lord God of the whole earth. Is everyone listening? Are you seeing that our feasting on God is not a private experience? Amen. It is going to have consequences, not just on us, but upon the church, because that's what this angel is coming for. He, the Lord God of the whole, whole earth is actually meant to stand in the midst of the church. It's this angel's presence here that allows Michael to overcome Satan in the next two chapters. And we're going to see that briefly. I hope I have enough time to do that, but hallelujah. <sighs> so go take the little book, which is open in the hands of the angel that stands on the scene on the earth. So I went to the angel and said to him, give me the little book. And he said to me, take it and eat it. And to make your stomach bitter, well, to be sweet as honey in your mouth is a reference to Ezekiel, right? When, when Ezekiel saw the glory of God and he received a scroll, right? And the scroll was filled with lamentations and woes. Amen. As you are feasting on God, you are also feasting on lamentations, on written judgments, on obituaries to the princes of this age. God would say, take a look at lamentation to get the kingdom of Babylon. There are ministrations of the spirits of God that are lamentations judging dark princes. Let me say something, okay? There is, a, there is a teaching of God's word that is an obituary to sickness in your body. Does that make sense? There is a teaching of God's word that is an obituary to lust in your heart. Is everyone listening? There is a teaching of God's word that can end poverty in your entire family, in your bloodline. Do you know what that is? That is a lamentation against a dark prince that has been serviced to you by the spirit of God. Is everyone listening? What I'm saying, I'm trying to see and show you how, you know, when, you, when we apply these things to our daily lives, all of a sudden, wow, God is good, though. Jesus, this God, he wants to empathize in my life. Please, where's this feast thing? How can we do it? I heard about a man of God, he was sharing about some, of, some, some, some spiritual operations, and he was in a pastor's meeting, and as he was talking about, you know, engaging God and everything, whatever, 
Oh, they were looking at him like, mm, wow, that's wonderful. Then he now explained that he needed money once. He, he's um, experienced a lot of um, transportation experiences. And so he took, he had like, I think he had like 10,000 Naira. He took that 10,000 Naira out of time and went to another timeline, took that same 10,000 Naira and he brought them both back to the same timeline. And so he basically doubled the money. So when he shared that for the person that were sleeping, <laughs> they, they all woke up. Wait, what did you say? All of a sudden, everyone was so interested in everything he had to say. When he was talking about meditation and the practices of waiting on God, <laughs> once you bring money, Jesus, hallelujah. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Yes, yes, yeah, you're correct. Yes, yes. <laughs> yes, yeah, you're correct. <laughs> hallelujah. Amen. Okay, so there's diets. Amen. Now look at the look at what happens after John goes to that diet. We're going to see who these who, who that angel is. And I was given a reed like a measuring rod, and the angel stood, saying, "Rise and measure the temple of God, the altar, and those who worship there." This was given, Amen. Um, by virtue of basically, this angel he's come to do something in the church, Amen. And it's because of the trumpets being sounded that the church has been purified of the church's ungodly church system. But something first must happen. There must be a mark. Amen. Basically, it's saying here, what is the benefit of the temple of God are human beings that they have allowed operations of God like the altar, the golden altar, like the menorah, like the table of shoe bread, like the mercy seat. Some Christians, you're going to see them at the end of this chapter. They came into such a, um, such a, they partook of the hidden manna. And because of that, guess what they became? What do you, what, where is the hidden manna found? In the Ark of the Covenant. So basically, what's that thing that the hidden manna is inside is the Ark of the Covenant. So if it's inside of you, you become the Ark of the Covenant. Does that make sense? So some people, they came into this estate. Amen. Well, let's keep on reading, okay? Leave out the outer courts, which is outside the temple. Do not measure for it has been given to you. Mama's explained this time and time again. Now, you don't want to be one of these people. It says here, it has been given to the Gentiles to the unbelievers, to the nations, to those who the civilizations of this world are dictating, are controlling. They, they will tread the holy city underfoot for 42 months, and I will give power to my two witnesses, and they will prophesy 1,260 days, clothed in sackcloth. These are the two olive trees and the two lampstands, amen? Okay. The two olive trees, and the two lampstands standing before the God of the earth. Now, that angel is not God. I'm going to say that again. That angel is not God. That angel is like my cell phone. Okay? Through my cell phone, my dad can communicate with me. When I see my dad's face, okay, I would say, good evening, Papa. It's so good to see you. But I'm talking to my phone. I'm not talking to my dad. Does that make sense? That angel is like that phone. I can say, oh, there is some kind of resemblance to God I'm perceiving here. Some kind of caricature here. Well, hello, Lord. Does that make sense? I'm not communing with the angel. I'm communing with God. In fact, the angel will be very careful to tell you, worship God. Amen? So this creature is not for worshiping. Please, I'm not telling you to worship any, any angelic. Amen? Hallelujah. They will tell you you should worship God. Any angel that comes to you demanding worship, tell that guy, go on, go on, just tell him to get out of your room. <laughs> Only person that's going to worship him is Satan. Amen. God 
Amen. Alone is to be worshipped. Hallelujah. Okay. So we've seen that this creature, amen, has that name, the Lord God of the whole earth. Amen. This is beautiful. Because what this means is that the church, God is inside. When I say the church, there is now the downloading of the true system of the church. The fruit of this ministry of these two witnesses. Let's look at who they are, okay? If anyone wants to harm them, fire proceeds from their mouth and devours their enemy. If anyone wants to harm them, he must be killed. Basically, they have power to shut the heavens. That um, devouring the enemies, fire coming out from their mouth is a ministry of Elijah, okay? They have power to shut heaven so that no rain falls in days of their prophecy. That is Elijah again. And they have power over waters to turn them to blood and to strike the earth with all plagues as often as they desire. This is Moses, essentially, this, the people who eat the scroll, amen, they are going to have received the testimony of the law and the prophets, amen. The law is captured by Moses, the prophets captured by Elijah, amen, or witnessed by Elijah, hallelujah. Hope everyone understands what I'm saying here, amen. It is by these two, the law and the prophets, that the Lord God of the whole earth is going to be able to enact upon his people that which he desires, when they finish their testimony, the beast that ascends out of the bottomless pit will war against them and overcome them and kill them, and their dead bodies will lie in the streets of the great city, which spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified. Then those from the peoples, tribes, tongues, and nations will see their dead bodies three and a half days and not allow their dead bodies to be put into graves, and those who dwell on the earth will rejoice over them, make merry, and send gifts to one another. And because it's, um, I'm, just, I'm going to read past all this because this is not our focus, where I'm actually getting to is... Verse 14, the second woe was passed, behold, the third woe was coming, and the seven angels sounded, and there were loud voices in heaven, saying, the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. Now, please hear me out, okay? Do you know the reason why that cry was made? It was because the end of the church system that is hindering God from ruling her, the body of Christ has finally manifested. It's not because, please hear me out, okay? The Manchild Company, Revelation 12. I used to think before the Manchild Company, Revelation 12, from Revelation 12, they're going to rule over the entire world. I have discovered that that is not the case. The first assignment of the Manchild Company is to administer the truth, the undiluted truth of God's word to the body of Christ. And they are going to do that from Revelation. Well, technically, start off with the trumpets, but they're going to be able to administer the truth of God's word in a way they never have from Revelation 12 all the way to Revelation chapter 16. Let me show this to us in the scriptures. And what, oh man, time. Okay. He shall reign forever and ever. And the 24 elders who sat before God on their thrones fell on their faces and they worshiped God saying, we give you thanks, O Lord God Almighty, the one who is and who was and who is to come because you have taken your great power and you have reigned. The nations were angry and your wrath has come. And the time, do you see the, the, the it's almost like they're re, the 24 elders are rejoicing. You know, you're seeing them talk about God. Finally, you are going to show power. You're going to show everything. The nations were angry and your wrath has come and the time of the dead that they should be judged, that you should reward your servants, the prophets and the saints and those who fear your name, small and great, and you will destroy all those who destroy the earth. Do you know the reason why they are saying all of these things? Because the church system was destroyed by the man-child company.
And the sign of this is that the temple of God is open in heaven and the ark of his covenant was seen in his temple and there were lightnings, noises, thunderings, and great hail. This is the picture we see in Isaiah chapter 66, amen? And that picture is shown us again here by a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, amen? What's been happening is that through the process of blowing the seven trumpets, the church, amen, is becoming a virgin. From the first trumpet sounding, the church was not a virgin, I can assure you, the church was a virgin, virgin state, amen? But as trumpet after trumpet after trumpet was sounded, amen, the church was being conformed by the Manchester Company, okay? And through the processes, amen, of administering the seven trumpets, amen, what happened was the church got to a place where she looked like this, amen? A woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, on her head, a garland of 12 stars. Now, all of these things were because of the Manchester Company, amen? Hallelujah. Now, what ends up happening is that um, um, the man-child company, amen, is able to wage warfare with Satan at the head of the, as the head of the church, basically, amen? Now, when I say Satan at the head of the church, the head of the church is Jesus, amen? I want to make sure I'm very clear about that, amen? The head of the body of Christ is Jesus, amen? But let me explain something else. The souls of many people that have been brought to church are not being shepherded by the lamb that was slain. Many souls are still being shepherded by this world, even though they are in the church. This is not, this is not a co in, this is not what was happening in the early church. Please hear me out. In the early church, whenever someone gave their life to Christ, they were put under a strict diet of doctrination. People were indoctrinated with the doctrine of Christ extensively. There was thorough work ongoing. You will see times in the Bible where the apostles would teach for days. And it wasn't dry teaching. As they're teaching, signs and wonders are exploding, blowing out. As Paul, the Bible says in the place where Paul was teaching, the Bible says there were lights there at night. Let me ask you a question. If I'm teaching at night, would there not be light in the room? Would I be teaching in pitch blackness? So the Bible was making reference to something that was unusual. Amen. The lights that were in that when Paul was preaching, amen, they were angelic. As Paul was talking, they would see lightning coming out of, out of Paul. They would see fire coming out of Paul. Amen. Because lamps were usually bur burning torches. Amen. Hallelujah. And all these things were happening consistently. That's why it was written down in the book of Acts. Amen. As a, you only have like one or two representatives kind of sign. You don't see, even though they say the Acts of the Apostles. Most of what happened in the book of Acts, if you check, the things that they re recorded, the things they explicitly recorded were only one out of like thousands of times that these things happened. Or maybe the first one, first one that it happened publicly or an earmark one is what they bear record to explicitly. The other ones are refer referenced in passing, like many other signs and wonders the apostles did, such as Paul putting hankies on him. There were other ones that he did. Hallelujah. Amen. What, what am I trying to get across here? Amen. you are going to see the church structure slowly being reverted back to the way it was before. Amen? Where the believer is being tutored exhaustively. Amen? Where believers understand that to function as Jesus on the earth, I need to feast on God. And feasting was taking place ferociously. How ferocious was this happening? When they said, we need people to clean the church in the early church. They picked Stephen, right? Philip, amen? And look at what the 
people that were cleaning, that were mopping the floor, that were serving food. Look at the kind of people that were serving food. What kind of church is that? Amen? There were other Christians besides Peter and um, Stephen and, and, and Philip. Amen? That functioned with such a... Look at Stephen's understanding of the scriptures. Look at Philip's um, 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 what you call handle or grip on spiritual operations. Amen? There was a lot of discernment. They could tell when the Holy Ghost was speaking, when an angel was speaking. These things are not unusual to them. When Peter was released from prison... The lady was, everyone was more convinced that it was Peter's angel than Peter himself bodily. You know the reason why? They had had encounters with their angels so many times. It was so normal that if physically you saw someone, you might think it's their angel. What does that tell you about the things that were happening on a daily place in the church? That means the early church was, they were really feasting on Jesus. Right now, amen. The reason for all of these things is so that the church can resume, amen, her diet, amen, can continue her diet. We can't, we can't be having a church where, if you read Jalate's prophecy about the 60 propositions about the end of the ages, and you see what she says about the man-child company, she, she, the language that she uses, she almost talks about them like they are Jesus Christ in the flesh. They are, and so are all of us, amen? But the way she talks about them, she's like, these men are going to be greatly admired by the church because they are going to bring an end to all false doctrines, amen? And they're going to have a, an authority that when they speak, your ears would, would ring. That's what the trumpet is. I heard it behind me, a voice, as of a trumpet saying unto me, do you know how you get that voice? It is by feasting on God. Hallelujah. Amen. Before the Feast of Tabernacles, by the mercy and grace of God, we're, I'm hoping that we would have gotten to the place where we can explain what that these feasts, all of them are, what Passover is, Pentecost is, Tabernacles, First Fruits, Unleavened Bread, Trumpets, amen, um, the Day of Atonement, amen. And our, our hope and our objective is that we will now see, amen, that there is no way out but enjoying Jesus. Isn't that so unfortunate? There is no way for me to live this life but to enjoy God. I have no choice, <laughs> hallelujah, but to ex experience healing. I must experience freedom from poverty. I must experience the joy of God in my heart. Oh, what a life I've been forced to live by my Savior. I must enjoy angels visiting me. I must be taken to heaven. I must enjoy. I must experience transportation. I must experience healings. Oh, I must experience victory over witches and wizards. I must live like Jesus. That is the season that we are in right now. A season when the church is going to begin to feast on God. When no longer, amen, will we settle for what has been happening through the dark ages. Please hear me. The scars of the dark ages are still on the church. Amen. And there is a dragon, amen, officiating or administering these things through corrupt systems, through corrupt practices, amen, through false definitions of what ministry is. All of those things will, be put, will come to an end by the man-child company. Please, though, the man-child company is not, a, is not a man of God, though. <laughs> the man-child company is a believer that has been enjoying Jesus. In other words, I can be one of them, and so can you. So let us feast on God.
with my mouth, with my ears, with my eyes, hallelujah, with my nose, hallelujah, <laughs> amen, hallelujah. I hope everyone understands everything that has been said, and I hope we're seeing the necessity of feasting on God, amen. We are not going to continue with church the way it has been. This thing has caused God so much pain, amen. You see many great men of God, amen. But because of this church's system, it has <coughs> extinguished, squeezed out, killed some of them, amen. I heard about him, I think it was Ray Allen. They poisoned him and they now planted alcohol, said so that he died of alcoholism. But the spirit of God said, I did, my servant did not die of alcoholism. People in the church, in a competing church, they, they, they framed him and they made it look like he, he did. They wanted to shame this man. I think they even killed him. I can't remember that's, that's what exactly happened. They called it the church mafia. Amen. That is, hallelujah. I, um, I want to appreciate everyone here for joining us this evening. I really hope you were blessed. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> One of my friends is messaging me um hmm hallelujah and please i want to encourage you we're finishing with this teaching now go back re-listen take notes get questions amen if you need questions to be answered let us not not ask them amen i'm not afraid of if you ask a question i can't answer you i'll come back and answer them when i can amen so please, I want to encourage you. Oh, that's so encouraging. We thank God. Yay. Ah, the children shall become one flesh. I like the, uh-uh, is a super, super username. <laughs> amen. Hallelujah. So I want to encourage you, amen. Please go back, feast on the Lord. I really hope this is encouraging to feast on the Lord. Amen. Encouraging to amen. There is so much, amen. Hallelujah. I need to stop talking because <laughs> we have to leave. Amen. I want to thank you so much for joining us. Pastor Francis Seaborg sends his love and his greetings. Amen. This is word for now. Hallelujah. Amen. And uh, this is word for now. Amen. This is the original flyer for word for now. We've been looking at the end of the age as a strict focus. Amen. A strict priority. And um, we are continuing our trajectory um, um, from the Christ, the blueprint of the future ages. Amen. Um, during this season, during this um, great convocation that we had, we received um, witnesses from several saints of old, one of them being Moses and one of them um, being the spirits of Elijah, specifically John the Baptist. Amen. The two witnesses. Hallelujah. And so I want to encourage you to um, go back to those live streams, some sessions that were not made available um, during the conference because of live streaming issues. They will be published and premiered on YouTube. So you know, hang in close, share, also subscribe. If you can, help us out on social media, spread the word. Um, we feel very strongly that um, the church, there's the people who are meant to be feasting on God at this time, they need to hear some of these things. Amen. And even if, um, let me just stop right there. Hallelujah. Thank you so much for joining us, beloved. I hope this has been a blessing to you and encouraged you to feast on God. Jesus loves you, beloved. And bye-bye. <laughs>